All right, so we do want to chase our theme for this week, and we're going to do that out of Psalm 46. When you think of Psalm 46, you probably think of Psalm 46, verse 10. You know what that verse says? You know what it says. And it says, and then he said, be still and, and know that I am God. All right, so you know that verse. We're not going to spend time there today, although that will kind of wind its way through. But we're going to focus on primarily the first five verses of that chapter, Psalm 46, written by the sons of Korah as they try to encourage us today in what it looks like to, to follow the Lord. And I want to do this through a thought we're going to call, God's got this. God's got this. Now, this is a pretty common phrase today, only we tend to say, I got this, or you've got this. And we say it as a way to encourage a friend or a family member. You know, maybe you're in some sort of competition, or you have a nephew or niece or grandson, or somebody's playing a game and they're nervous or they're scared, I don't know if I can do this, and you say to them, you've got this. Or they're getting ready to run a big race of their life. And you're like, hey, you've got this. Just press on. You know, don't worry about it. It's, it's something that you can do. It's within your ability to be able to meet this challenge. Uh, maybe you'd find yourself in a situation, though, where you're about to undergo a surgery. Or you're battling a disease. And I hear it there as well. And people will come alongside somebody that's struggling and say, hey, you've got this. Like, you're going to beat this disease. It's not going to win over you. And so they'll say to a friend, hey, You've got this. Or maybe somebody's scared about going to a, a job interview or a transition to a new school or a transition within that same school. And you might say to that child or that person, hey, you've got this. You know, it's just a way of trying to encourage that person. There's nothing wrong with saying to somebody, you've got this, right? The problem is most of the time we don't. Not that we don't say you've got this. The problem is we don't got this. And that's terrible English, but that's the truth of the matter. Somebody could say to me, you've got this. And I could say, no, I don't. I don't have the ability to got this. I don't have the ability to win. I don't have the ability myself to battle, to overcome here. This thing will rule me. And so when I say to you or you say to me, you've got this, all it does is remind me that I really don't. So our focus today then is going to be on not you and I, but our focus is going to be on God knowing that whatever we face, whatever we're going to find ourselves in, God's got this. Right? God's got this, and that's entirely what matters. And so Psalm 46 is where we're going to be. We're just going to read the whole chapter. It's 11 verses. So you can turn there in your Bible. You can follow along on the wall if you'd like uh, as we navigate our way through here. What these guys are reminding us of, and it's the idea that God is in control. He's been faithful in the past, and so I can trust Him now with whatever I'm going through, whatever waits me tomorrow, God's got it. And so I'm not going to stress or worry or be afraid about it. So Psalm 46, let's head that direction. And we'll go here 1 through 11. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. Selah. That little word Selah is kind of has a unknown meaning. Many scholars say it means just pause and think about it. So when you get to that in a psalm, it's just let's, let's think about what we've just read. There's a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her and she shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged, the kingdoms were moved, Talking of God here, he uttered his voice and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. 
And the God of Jacob is our refuge. And so here again, the psalmists are going to say, Selah, pause, think about what you're reading. Come, behold the works of the Lord, who has made desolations in the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot and the fire. There's no return to war here. It's the battle's over. The trouble's gone. So be still and know that I'm God. I will be exalted among the nations, and I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. And once again, you've got the word there, Selah. So this morning, I want to work our way through this text and try to look at it, not necessarily word by word, but phrase by phrase through the first four or five verses and how this relates to us understanding that God's in control God's got this. And so let me just ask you before we get going, is there anything in your life that you need God to have right now? Is there anything you're currently facing and you're like, kind of like, he better have this. Because if he doesn't, I'm hurting. I mean, we're in a whole lot of trouble if God does not come through here. Okay? And so if that's where you find yourself, there's lots of nodding heads. Maybe your head isn't nodding. Pay attention to somebody who is and pray for that person. But also know... It's just a matter of time before your head would be nodding also. This world has a way of putting us in positions where we've got to fully rely on God. Beg God to take something because on our own it's just going to be a mess or we're not going to endure. And so a few things that we'll note as we progress our way through here. Knowing that God is in control, how should that affect those who are followers of Jesus? All right. So number one is this. Knowing God's in control, it's going to allow us to correctly navigate difficult situations. When I know that God is in control, it allows me to navigate correctly, and that's important, difficult situations. Everybody, and so let's just get everybody on the same page. Everybody who's ever walked on this planet will battle something that's hard. Right? And if we took time to talk about it this morning, you could share probably real quickly one thing that has been hard for you to endure. One thing that you didn't plan on and now I'm having to deal with this in my life, or I had to deal with that at some point in my life. So everyone who walks the planet will face difficulties. And everyone's going to try to find a way to navigate that difficulty. Right? Whether you're a believer or not, everybody has a plan or a process for how they're going to go through it. So they'll either ignore it, or they'll get um, kind of this hyper-control where I've got to have my hands on everything because now it's getting worse and so I've got to be more and more involved or it could be where we just totally back out and we throw a pity party and we invite three people. You know who we invite? Me, myself, and I, right? Because sometimes that's just where we go when we find ourselves in the midst of troubles. It's how we navigate it. So we're talking about not just navigating but navigating correctly, navigating in a way that's healthy, navigating in a way that is God-honoring. So let me just ask you a question here and you can help me out. Have you ever tried to manage a situation that you were ill-equipped to manage? You found yourself, I'm the person in charge of this, and I don't know what to do. Right? It could be in your home. It could be with a child or with a spouse. It could be with your health. It could be at work or at school. <laughs> right? We find ourselves often in situations where we just don't know often how to manage it. Have you ever tried to do something that you knew you couldn't do by yourself? You knew going in like, this is not going to be good. 
I mean, I'm going to take an attempt at it, but it's just not going to turn out. It's not going to work out very well. And so we're shaking our heads there again. We're probably, we've been there. Maybe we are there. Uh, for example, have you ever tried to make yourself not worry? That's like the unending circle. You know, you're trying to coach yourself. Just don't worry. Don't worry. It's not, it's not as bad as you think it is. It's going to be okay. You've got this. Don't worry. And all that does is just feed that fire deeper within like, but I'm worried. And I'm getting more worried. And the more I say don't worry, the more I worry. Or put in your stress or put in fear. I'm afraid. Oh, don't be afraid. You know, you've got this. And all that does is create more fear in us. Like, I really don't have this. I don't have a way to battle here on my own. Sometimes we try to do that and all that ends up happening is that it gets worse and worse. Sometimes it's, our, it's that way with our sin. You ever find yourself trying to battle temptation on your own? You know, maybe it's uh, open mouth insert foot syndrome. Anybody have that issue? Yeah, we all have that issue, right? We all have sleepy arms this morning is what it looks like. But we all can have that issue sometimes where I know I shouldn't, but. But since you said that, now it gives me freedom just to open the floodgates. And here it comes. I've been holding this back for 10 years or 3 months or however long it is. And now I'm just going to let it all loose because of what you just said to me. And so we've got issues with sin sometimes. And that may not be your sin. It could be greed or pride. It could be lust. It could be all sorts of things. But when we try to battle that on our own, all we find ourselves doing is getting right back into that sin. Now, some days I may feel like a winner because I've overcome in an instant, but I won't overcome that uh, consistently by myself. And so I'll end up back in that little guilt puddle going, how did I get here? I didn't want to think this way. I didn't want to act this way. I didn't want to say that anymore. And I'm right back here doing, thinking, saying the exact same thing. You've got this. No, I don't. Sometimes we try to fight and plan and work to navigate the difficulty by ourselves. And all that ends up happening is that we get more worried, more afraid, more entangled. See, the problem is not the situation. The problem is often how I navigate it. I can't change the situation. I can't control situations most often. But I can control how I navigate. So let's go back to the text here. Look at these first three verses Look at how these guys learned how they could navigate a situation, all right? Knowing that God is in control. Here's what they say. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Does that sound like somebody that's got some past experience with God? I mean, if you've got a friend who is struggling with something and you've been helped by God through that situation and you say to them, well, God will be your refuge and strength, it sounds like you've had some experience with God in the past. And so this is God is. God is our refuge. God is our strength. God is our ever-present help in times of trouble. So these guys have experienced the help, the strength, the refuge of God. And so somewhere in, this, in their past, this was going to have influence on their current. So let's go to verse 2. Therefore, we won't fear. Okay? So how is it that I'm going to overcome my fear? You've got this. Does that work? Uh-uh, that doesn't help. And so therefore points back to verse 1, which reminds us that God is, right? Don't fear because God is your refuge. Don't fear because God is your strength. Don't fear because God is this, not just a help, but there's just this little modifier in front of that word which says he's an abundant help. 
He's extremely helpful. And he's always present, which means he's on time. He's on the task. He's never overlooked a moment where something happened and you're like, man, where's God? And God's like, oh, I forgot. He's always been right on time. And so he says, therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. That sounds horrifying. Okay? Right now, we are sustained in our little galaxy by gravity and all these forces of the universe. How all these things work together. Okay? And so how would we feel if all of a sudden the earth just gave way? Just perpetual falling. We would be nauseous, right? We'd probably be begging for death. And we'd probably be close to death. That would be terrible if the earth gave way and the foundations fall, or the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. So we've been at the beach here in the last week or so. Can you imagine just seeing mountains just come collapsing into the ocean? You know, maybe these mountains that are right on an ocean's edge and you just see the foundation of that earth just being shaken and it all just falls into the sea and disappears. I mean, there's something that's just mesmerizing about the ocean. It's, it's better than the Energizer Bunny, right? It just keeps going and going. It's like, how can that be? This thing is massive. I am so small, insignificant in comparison. And so how would we feel if these things we call foundational are shaken? Would we be afraid? Ah, should we be afraid? No, what's it say? We will not fear, even though that happens. The earth gives way and the mountains find themselves in this heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. If all of this stuff were happening, and really this is a metaphorical picture. It's not the idea that the earth is actually going to fall or that the mountains are actually going to start making their way to the oceans. It's that the foundations of our society crumble. When those things that we place our hope in as foundational start to sift out from under us, we realize, man, it was foolish to put our trust in this sand. This is not the rock that I sang about this morning. And so how does a psalmist deal with their difficulties? Very simply, they trusted God. They knew that whatever they faced, God has got it. And so they based their experience, or their trust rather, on their experience in their past. See, God had been their refuge somewhere along the way. A place of refuge is a place that you run to when something in your life is just not going well. Where do you run? What's your place of comfort and security? You know, refuge has two things in mind, all right? We've got a finger point up. Refuge means I'm going to flee, but not just run helter-skelter. It means I'm fleeing to a very specific point, to a very specific person where I'm going to find comfort, where I'm going to find protection, where I'm going to find provision. And so these sons of Korah wrote and said, God is my refuge. He's where I flee to. He's the one to whom I run. You know, we were sitting there watching these children at the beach and these little kids, they would start to make their way towards the waves and then that wave starts to come crashing in and they would turn around and run up that little hill to their parents. You know, there's one, there's a dad sitting there in a chair and he'd just hold his son. And then the son would turn around and he'd make his way back down the beach. When that wave would start to come crashing in, that little boy would turn and just run to his dad. He was running to his, to his refuge. This is my place of safety from the trouble. This is my place of security 
from this raging sea. This is my place of comfort, my place of protection. That's what it is to have a refuge. And so what these guys said is when you're facing trouble, know that God is your refuge. Run to him and find comfort. Run to him and find protection. They also said that God is our strength. That is, he will empower you to battle whatever it is that you face. We pray, God, take away the raging sea. Right? God, take away the trial. God, take away this situation. But what the sons of Korah tell us is God will, what will he do? He'll give us strength to go through it. He'll give us strength to endure it. Right? And so often we pray, God, take it away, when what we really need to pray is, all right, God, you be glorified in this situation, whatever that looks like. If I've got to struggle, then I struggle. If I've got to have this disease, then I'll have it. If I've got to have this bankruptcy, this failed business, if I've got to have these relationships that fall apart, if this is the way the world's going to treat me, so be it. I just want you to be glorified through it, and I want to accomplish your plan in the midst of it. So use this to develop my character. Use this to bring about your glory, rather than get me out of it. God will strengthen you, and God will equip you, just as he will me, as we try to battle whatever it is that we're facing. They knew he would be their, their help in their time of trouble. And so they wrote and said this, if everything disappears, if all the foundations of the earth are shaken, we will not be shaken. You know, a good psalm to read, it's not on the wall, but Psalm 62, verse 1 starts out telling us that God is my refuge. And in him, I will not be shaken. I will not be shaken. So I want you to think for a minute about this question before you answer it. Sons of Korah believe God would help them navigate any situation. Do you believe that God is in control today? Alright, that's a good churchy answer. Now as you think about it, you think about your life, think about the culture and world that we live in, country that we're a part of, think about the things that are currently going on outside of this room, you know, right now we may be a little bit disattached from the realities of our world. We walk out of this place. What is it that we're going to face? What is it that we're going to deal with? Do we really still think that God is in control today? Right? You don't have to answer that to me. I, I say yes, but I'm sure there are lives, times in my life where I prove no. God's absolutely in control. And you watch how I live and you go, is he? It seems like you're a little bit frantic seems like you're a little bit of a mess. Like you're just not really taking care of things. Like you don't have this. If we believe God is in control today, when the foundations of our world collapse, will we still believe that to be true? And we live in times now that really aren't that bad comparatively to how things in this country have been in the past. You know, just because it's bad in my day and time doesn't really mean it's that bad. We're not that bad off. We tend to think we are. But sometimes we can look around and think it's just getting worse and worse and worse and the foundation of our society is going to crumble. What if the economy goes south? What if terror keeps terrorizing? What if freedom, liberty, safety, security, all those things just simply become distant memories? Will we still be people who say, and yes, God is still in control today? 
See, the sons of Korah, that's what they were saying. It's not about an ocean and a mountain. It's about the foundations of society. When those things are rocked to the core, those things that you put your trust in, when they're no longer there, what are you left to hold to? Where do you run? Because they're all gone. They said, we run to God because God is our refuge. Listen, church, God's got this. He's our refuge. He's our strength. He's our very present help, right? Just like we sang this morning, that song made me glad. You're my shield, you're my strength, my portion, deliver. Right? All those things that we talked about, God. Uh, you're my very present help in time of need. All those things are true about who God is today. So don't get all stressed out about November. It's not a big deal. Right? Temporarily it may matter, but God's got this. You know what happens in November, right? Some of you are looking at me like, November? What's happening in November? We're going to vote in somebody who's really not going to do a whole lot of anything. It's not going to matter a whole lot in the big picture. God's got this. He's in control. And so we trust it. All right? It doesn't mean we don't play in the temporary. We absolutely do play in the temporary. We work in the temporary. It just doesn't trump what's eternal. And so we learn here initially, knowing that God is in control, it's going to allow us to correctly navigate situations. And when I think about this, one more thing before we progress, and as always, this is usually the longest point. To me, a good word picture of this is um, what Pastor Gene talked about last week where we were. Think about Jesus sleeping in the front of the boat when the disciples are on a storm-tossed sea. That's the picture of what it looks like as a Christian to navigate this life correctly. All right? Now, don't get the idea that the right thing to do is go take a nap when things get bad. All right? Wouldn't that be great? Just go sleep it off. Go sleep it off when you won't have debt anymore. Go sleep it off when that person you just made angry, now they love you. Go sleep it off and everything's just going the way you want your... Wouldn't that be great? We just sleep all the time. <laughs> Bunch of nappers. That's not the point. The point is that in the midst of chaos, you know, the disciples are bailing water, panicked. And Jesus is showing them that even in the midst of that trial and storm, there can be peace. All around you may be chaos, but you've got a refuge, you've got a strength, you've got a very present help in your time of trouble. So knowing God's in control should encourage us to walk that direction towards Him. All right, secondly here, knowing God's in control is going to do some work in our life, if we'll allow it, and it's going to work to replace our fear with gladness. Anybody's glad bucket just overflowing this morning? I mean, just like, if I stopped talking and you stood up and say something, would we go, man, they are just full. Not of it, but full. Just like, God's doing a work in their life. There's so much joy there. This is awesome. Just keep talking. Is your joy bucket full? Yeah, all right, good. Knowing God's in control can work to replace our fear with gladness. And really, this is one of those distinguishing marks of a believer. This is one of those distinguishing marks of a believer. It's when there is joy when there should be fear. It's when there's joy when there should be just panic or terror. There's this deep-seated gladness that's not affected by my circumstances. It's rooted in my unshakable God. And it's always present. It's always there. Right? It's always in abundance. 
should be, can be, when we allow it to replace our fear with the gladness of Christ. And so sometimes this doesn't make sense to the world, and honestly, sometimes this doesn't make sense to me. Have you ever found yourself in a situation and you go, why am I not afraid? And used to, if I was in this situation, I would be terrified. I'd be panicked. Why am I not afraid? Or you think about somebody in your life who's not living the way that you want them to, or they've just made some poor choices, and you used to worry about them, and now you're not worried about them. You're like, why, why am I not worried anymore? Why is it that I'm not afraid anymore? Why is my anxiety or my stress gone? Why is there peace within? It's because God is at work. What God wants to do is replace our fear with gladness. And he's going to give us a word picture here again of water. And so we talked about the mountains crashing into the oceans. Here let's talk a little bit about a river. Verse 4 of uh, Psalm 46 says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. Okay? So here again, we're talking about a word picture. And so I want you to think about it this way for a minute. Let's consider this main aisle down the middle of the church a river. And all of these little rows will be streams flowing off the river. And the way it works is that the water from the river is going to flow down the stream to meet the needs of the people sitting on the pews. Right? That's the word picture that you're getting here. There is a river, main river, whose streams make glad the city of God, those who are part of God's family here. And for us today, this could be applied to the church. So there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Now this isn't about you and I having water to bathe or to wash our cars, wash dishes. You know, it's not about having a stream to drink. It's about you and I having this ample supply, this stream that would supply us with life. And so the picture here is just that. It is life-giving water. It is life-sustaining water. And it flows to us in the midst of fear. And it flows to us in the midst of worry and anxiety. That's the way the stream or the river of God is to work. So again, it's not literal. You're not going to find yourself walking down your sidewalk just totally panicked and all of a sudden there's a stream that flows your direction. At least not visible. The stream that flows today comes from the Word of God. And this Word of God is filtered purely by the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God takes the Word of God and just ministers this life-giving water to us. So that's why it's very important that we take time to be in the Word. <clears throat> and so when we know God's in control, it may not change our situation but it can cause us to find gladness in the midst of that situation. All right? And so I'm going to sit and focus on my problems? No, I'm going to sit and focus on my God. I'm going to let His Word through His Spirit minister life-giving water to me, the spring of life. So He may not change my situation, but He will change me as I rely on Him. Now, and this is prevalent throughout the Bible. And we'll read just a few verses that help identify this. But water is often the sign of life. It's the sign of spring. It's the sign of hope. It's a sign of, of continuance or perpetual life. And Paul knew, knew this all too well. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 4. Let's break this down a minute. So if we read the first phrase, it says, I am greatly what? 
encouraged. Then the next four words are, in all our troubles. And so if you pause there for a minute, do you find encouragement in your troubles? You find the gladness when everything around you just seems to be terrorizing or without hope. Paul says, I am greatly encouraged. And here he's writing, thinking about the faith of these people. He says, I'm greatly encouraged. And here's why. In all my troubles, my joy knows no bounds. It's without limit. It's that person who would stand up here and just spilling over even though their life is chaos. Can this be a reality? I mean, can there really be a river that has streams that flow to people that breathe life in us when everything around us is breathing death? Paul would say, yes. I'm greatly encouraged. I've got a ton of troubles, but I've got unlimited joy. This is found in the Spirit. So that's one example. Another example is the half-brother of Jesus, James. James chapter 1, verse 2 and 3 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. I know we've worked through these verses before in the same way, but it's good to refresh this sometimes. Pure joy when you face many trials or when you face trials of many kinds. Okay? Typically that's not where we run first is to joy. Verse 3. Because you know that the testing of your faith is going to produce perseverance. And so here again, you've got somebody who is identifying with this life-giving water. There is a situation that is tremendous. It's a trial. It's a hardship. And yet in the midst of that, there is joy. Consider it pure joy. Consider it pure joy. And then we go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. I read this here just recently in my own quiet time. Paul's writing about these Thessalonians. He says, I've heard about you guys. I've heard about your work that's been propelled by your faith. I've heard about your labor of love. I've heard about how you have endured for the sake of the gospel. And then he says this, You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given how? By the Holy Spirit. Right, so consider yourself in a situation where for you to buy in, to believe in Christ, could wreck your world. Where people all around you are listening for how you're going to respond. And if you're going to put your faith in Jesus, we're going to bring the pain. There's going to be persecution coming your way. Here Paul says, you people, you heard the gospel message in the midst of severe suffering. You knew what was coming. And yet you've received this message with joy. This joy given by the Spirit. See, we might look around at all the people looking to persecute us. We might look around at the severe suffering and be afraid to receive. But there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. That river comes to us through the Word of God, filtered by the Spirit of God, and it removes our fear, and in its place puts gladness, joy, this settling peace that God's got this. So when I truly know that God has control, it'll have a dramatic effect on me. Right, that's one of the things that unbelievers just can't understand. You should be a mess right now. How are you even making your way through this? I was talking with my father-in-law here this past week just about some situations I've had to deal with, he's had to deal with. I'm like, how have you not committed murder? 
And that just seems like the natural next step. I mean, it's almost like I could say, I think you ought to do it. And I really think you should just consider it. And he's talking about how he's had patience and how he's had peace and how God has used this as an opportunity to minister and to serve. Man, that's, that's what we're talking about here. There's this fear, whatever put in place, fear, stress, anxiety, anger, can be replaced with the gladness that comes from Christ. And so knowing God is in control should have a dramatic effect on us, regardless of what's happening in our world. There can be gladness where there's currently something else. And then third and last this morning, knowing God's in control is going to remind us that we never have to face anything alone. You ever been alone? I think one of the strongest, greatest emotions to experience on this planet in the negative sense is loneliness. You know, people talk about this often about where they're in relationship with people and yet they struggle with this darkness because everywhere they go, they feel alone. They're married and they feel alone. They have children, they feel alone. They could be connected to a church and they feel totally alone. It's one of the hardest emotions to battle. It's one of the hardest feelings to navigate. It's one of the scariest feelings to ever experience. And yet one of the greatest comforts to ever experience on this planet is, that, is the truth that God is with us. That's not just spiritual jargon. It doesn't just look good on a coffee mug or it doesn't just sound good in a song lyric. That's a reality. And when you walk out of your house, when you wake up each day, do you know, hey, God's with me today. So I can face whatever it is that's on my, on my to-do list. And whatever comes against me that I am totally non-prepared, unprepared for, God's with me. He's got this. I'm not afraid. I'm not worried. I'm not confident in myself. I'm not going to brag that I'm some great man. I just know that God walks with me because he's promised to do so. Is that how you wake up? Is that how you leave your house? You know, have you ever looked at a situation and say, said, Why? Why, God? You know, one question, one of the questions God never asks is, why? Because he knows the purpose behind everything. Remember, he sees the full picture, and so God never looks at a situation with skepticism or with uh, a hint of ignorance. He knows exactly what's going on. And so God never asks the question, why, even though we ask of him, why, God? There's purpose for what he allows we might look at our situation and feel overwhelmed. You ever been there? I just can't do this anymore. I just literally can't. I feel like I'm going to just fall apart. My life's crumbling. I'm just a terrible husband or father or mother or wife or friend. It's just a mess. I can't do this anymore. You know, God's never overwhelmed. See, when I find myself overwhelmed, when I find myself asking, why God? That can lead me to the point, but initially it misses the point. You know, you never see God wringing his hands. I can't believe they actually got my son arrested. I can't believe they put him on the cross. Now what are we going to do? God's always cool. It's just part of the plan. It's, just, it's got purpose in it. There's nothing that happens out from under the control or allowance of God. And so even though I find myself in a situation where I may feel alone, the reality is, the truth is, I am not as a child of God. He is right 
here, right there with me. Three different times the sons of Korah remind us of this. We'll just see it in verse 11. You'll find it in verse 5 and 7 and 11. It says, The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And so what that says to me is, The Lord, my Almighty God, He's always with me. Remember, Jesus uttered very similar words when He sent us out on mission. Go make disciples. That is our task. That's what we're employed to do. Make disciples. Not find happiness. Right? Not live for the temporary. Make sure you're making disciples on Sunday afternoon. When you wake up on Monday morning, make sure that's at the forefront of your mind. You're here to make disciples. But then he says, and listen, I'm always with you. Right? To the ends of the age, to the ends of the time, to the ends of the earth, I'm always with you. The Lord Almighty is with us. This God of Jacob is my fortress. You know, there's a little truth, and you've probably heard this before. But it goes like this. Nothing that's under the control of God is ever out of control with God. Nothing that's under the control of God is never out of control with God. And so when you submit your life under the control of God, that situation, that trial, that earth-moving, that wave-roaring situation, you submit that to the care of God, nothing in that moment, nothing in that situation is out of control. The problem is, not necessarily the problem, but what I need to work with is do I believe that? About 15 minutes ago, we all said we believe that God is in control today. Do I believe God's in control of my life, of my situation? Do I believe that he's walking right here with me? Nothing under God's control is ever out of control. See, he's got you, and he's got this. So this morning we just tried to remind ourselves of some things that are true about the control of God from some guys who knew things about God. God is, remember? God is. They had these experiences. For those who know the Lord this morning as your Savior, what we've seen is, number one, I can navigate life correctly. I don't have to live in fear at all. Right? I can live with joy and I can live with confidence and boldness because God's got this. God's in control. And then I can walk on through my life being reminded that he's always with me. And so as I'm speaking right now, I know he's with me. And as I'm sharing his word, I, I know he's, he's with his word. He's going to use his word. And I've experienced that myself here. Just more experience it all the time. You know, your quiet time or at church or whatever. He's with us. And so we can know that here today. And so... As we close, I just want you to think about a few things. And we've talked about some really amazing truths that can be a reality in the life in light of troubles in this world. But it all starts with you and I trusting in Jesus as our only hope. That's where it begins. So you want to know how to navigate life correctly? You need the guide to help you navigate life correctly. You want to have your fear and worry or stress, anger replaced with just this gladness of the Lord? You've got to know the Lord. You've got to know His Son as your Savior. And so maybe today as you're here, you just say, you know, I don't know that I've really ever asked Jesus to, to save me, to be my Savior. I don't know that I've really confessed my sin, acknowledging that I need Him to save me. Otherwise, I'm... I'm destined for hell. I'm just my own pilot through this life and I've proven I don't navigate life well. Maybe today it's just a day of surrender. It's your day of finally just saying, I'm a sinner. 
please save me. If so, we'll give you a moment here in just a minute to do that. Just to pray and ask the Lord. Maybe you sit here and you say, Corey, I'm just not navigating life very well. I keep trying and I keep planning and I keep working and it keeps just turning out wrong. Are you running to the Lord as your refuge? Are you looking to the Lord for strength? Are you praying, God, please be my help in my time of trouble and just waiting for God to answer? Waiting for God to meet that need? His promises He will supply. Are you living this morning with a joy that knows no bounds? Limitless. And Paul also writes about an unspeakable joy. I just can't even begin to tell you. I can't put into words what it's like to walk close with Christ. Or maybe you'd say, man, my joy bucket's about half full. If that's true, there's a leak in your joy bucket. And God didn't put it there. I put it there. It could be my sin. It could be my fear or my worry. It could be my stress or things I'm trying to control. And what we needed to hear today is, no, God's got this. That situation you're trying to figure out, God's, He's had it all the time. He just wants you to know today, He's got it. It's His. Just give it to Him. Look to Him. Let Him replace whatever it is in your life that may be leaking your joy with His joy. His promise is, my river never runs dry. My stream is always in full supply. And then do you know that God is with you? That's a good word that you and I could share with one another often. Going out of this place. Hey, remember, God's going with you. He's going home with you. He's going to your week with you. He's right there. As you watch media coverage of everything that's going to happen this week that's going to be great and everything that's going to happen this week that you're just like, I can't believe that happened. I can't believe it happened again. I can't believe they said, God's got this. He's right there. He's been there all along. So we can be like the sons of Korah here today, letting our fear be replaced with gladness, knowing that God is with us.